Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Transplant's Take on Sport. My name's Lewis Daniels and my guest today is Kieran McLean, a kidney transplant recipient, Twitch streamer and YouTuber. Kieran chats to me about his battle with FSGS and how that and dialysis affected his life and ability to play sport leading up to his transplant, as well as some of the adaptations he made to continue playing football and cricket for as long as possible. Kieran live streams himself playing games on Twitch and posts videos about kidney disease, amongst other things, on his YouTube channel, so please stick around to find out more about that and how you can get involved with an upcoming stream. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you press subscribe or follow wherever you normally listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, all the links will be in the show notes. Kieran McLean, welcome to Transmat's Take on Sport. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's great to have you on. We actually met in what our hospital that we were at, I've now moved from, called the Continuing Care Clinic, and which means that we had our transplants quite close together. There's about three weeks between us. So yeah. when this goes out, I'm going to be two days off two years with a transplant. You'll be about three weeks. Mm-hmm. Our journeys up to that point were a bit different. When did you first discover that there was something wrong with your kidneys? So for me, I, I first diagnosed with kidney disease in 2012. It was June of 2012. Um, I'd just turned 30. Well, no, sorry. I was, um, I'd just not far off turned um, 13. And I was, um, it was in the summer. Uh, it was quite quite sudden. Um, I was fine the weekend before, and it was on the Monday morning. I woke up one morning, and it was just swollen all over my body, head to toe. So I was rushed into hospital, my local hospital, Warrington, and that's where I had tests done. Um, it was I was in A and E for about twelve hours, uh, which I was eventually diagnosed with nephrotic syndrome at that point. On the A and E thing, I read your story that you sent me through that you'd done with Shay or wishes, and we'd both got. I imagine got told similar things when I, I was at the GP and I said, you've got unexpectedly low kidney function. You've got to go to A&E now. Do you remember what you were thinking at that point when you were told to go there? Uh, I just thought, I didn't know what to think, to be honest, because before that I was quite a healthy kid. I had never really gone to hospital other than for like the odd torn ligament or broken bone, typical A&E visits. 
Um, I didn't really know what to think. I was a bit, a bit worried because I was not really good with the unknown. Um, I just kind of blew it over my head at first, thinking oh, I'll be in and out and I'll be fine tomorrow. But once they started giving me medication and I realised it wasn't going away, that's when I, um, the panic started kicking in, to be honest, and the bit of the worry. This is that fear of the unknown. I was similar going to A&E. You thankfully got away in the evening. Uh, but to be fair, had been there by the sound of it longer than I had. I arrived at about half past six and didn't leave until uh, about 48 hours later. Did you have anyone with you to there for support? Uh, yeah, luckily I had my mum with me. Um, I must have gone in, it was a school morning, so I woke up for school about 7 o'clock. Um, then I was hoping the swelling would go down or something, because I just thought it was a hot night, it was in June. Um, I just thought it was a bad reaction to the heat. Um, when I realised that I didn't feel great and felt sick and everything, I must have been in A&E for about half eight, nine o'clock, and I was there till about 7, 8 o'clock in the evening. So um at that point i was put on steroid a steroid treatment um but yeah so i was in there for about 10 to 12 hours but luckily there wasn't any overnight stay i was there with a couple of my flatmates i was two hours away from home at the time so i was phoning my parents we didn't know really what was going on i've often mentioned before on here we should have like a a top gear power lap blood pressure chart for the first (laughs) diagnosis do you remember what yours was at the time uh, I wish I did. I would have been curious to know, but no, I don't actually know. It must have been way in the 200. Um, it was very high. 200 plus, um, 100 plus something, but I don't know off the top of my head. So it's got, it'll be up, it's got to be up there. Yeah. Everyone I've spoken very... so far said it's <laughs> the first number is well in the 200s. Yes, definitely. You had uh, nephrotic syndrome and eventually you did get a diagnosis of why that was. Do you want to tell yeah. us more a bit about that? So the more specific diagnosis is FSGS, which stands for, forgive me if I get this wrong, but it's like fo- focal segmental glomerulosclerosis. So basically, after a kidney biopsy, I was um, it found out that there was a lot of scarring on the tissue and the filters within the kidneys. So that's where the protein leakage was coming from. So we figured out that was the problem, but we don't actually know how that happened, whether it was um, a a DNA thing, it was something I was born with and it only didn't kick in until I was 13, or whether it was a bad reaction to something. So we still, we still don't know the reason why it happened, but we know how the nephrotic syndrome was started, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And then with the FSGS, nephrotic syndrome, how did that affect you when you were still in your teens at school? Uh, well, I wasn't too bad at first because my kidney function, there's another thing I don't know off the top of my head, but I was still at about 40-50% kidney function when I was first diagnosed. Um, so it didn't affect me like physically anyway. It was more the fact that I was immediately put on a high dosage of steroids to try and treat it. And that's where the swelling in my face and everything, I'm sure most people listening to this know the bad reactions you can have to steroids where you get the moon face, the swelling. So being 13, 14 at the time and going to school, um, I did get a lot of bad looks from people because they weren't really sure what was going on with me. Um, I wasn't too bad health-wise for about the first 6 to 12 months, uh, just other than a bit of fatigue and tiredness. Um, But that's when I started becoming quite sick um, as my kidney function got worse and worse. 
Um, so I ended up with more and more time off school. So it was um, it was a bit of a ride, but things eventually uh, mellowed out more like towards dialysis it became because I was seeing the hospital more frequently then. So then I forgot to ask before we come on to dialysis, for those who might not be aware, it's a, it's, I know it's a, it's a, a mouthful FSGS when it's broke, when it's put into its long form. What is FSGS? So FSGS is um, a type of nephrotic syndrome. So there's different causes of nephrotic syndrome. One of them being FSGS. So this is um, FSGS is more like the um, the cause of the scarring. So it's more of, it's an autoimmune disease. So your um, your immune system attacks its own attacks your body, leaving scarring on the uh, kidneys, which is, then leads to protein leakage and um, waste being retained in the blood. Uh, so it's an autoimmune disease, but like I said before, I don't know what caused my FSGS. That's just how um, what FSGS is. And with dialysis, what type did you go on, and what was that a hard decision? It was quite hard, but at the time when I was put on dialysis, uh, I was on uh, first of all I was on peritoneal dialysis. Uh, I was on that for just over two years. Uh, started in June 2017, and then had my transplant August 2019. So I was first put on it uh, when I was at Older Hay because I was in paediatric care at that point. Um, they they went through both um, like with me, whether I was to go hemo, peritoneal. And with my age at the time, um, I was like, let me get this right. I was about 18 at the time. They, um, I, fig- I figured out that peritoneal was the best choice for me as it was eight hours every night when I was on it um so it kind of fitted in with my typical teenage life I'd probably stay up quite late with my mates on xbox playing games so I'd just put myself on the dialysis machine and stay up to the early hours of the morning with my friends and at that point I'd done my session so I could just detach myself go into bed and then sleep until about lunchtime the next day so that kind of fitted quite well with my lifestyle at that moment it does seem flexible going on to peritoneal dialysis. I'm still very glad I managed to avoid it. And hopefully, if it comes to this transplant going the other way in the future, I hope I avoid it again. But coming on to sport, were you always into sport and exercise growing up? I, I would like to think I was quite a sporty kid. Um, I started off, uh, I mean, I did rugby, football and cricket. You know, at the young age where you had you had your football on a Saturday and your rugby on a Sunday. Um, but then obviously I don't know whether it was the same for you, but once you hit a certain age, I kind of forgot what that age is. Um, all sport, like your football and your rugby ends up on a Sunday. So mm-hmm. at that point, a lot of people uh, had to choose between football and rugby. So I went towards football because I felt more, I felt better at football. I started off as a goalkeeper. So I'd play for my local team as the goalkeeper. And that's what I did for about six, seven years. And I really enjoyed being a goalkeeper. But yeah, so I did football and cricket were my main two sports. And I continued specifically football into my kidney disease. Whereas cricket, maybe for about a year afterwards. But after that, I kind of mellowed out of cricket. Let's let's go on to that now, on to the cricket. Did you sort of slow down because of your illness? Or was it just a natural... Um, what's the right word here 
the interest drops a bit and you pick one sport, other things become a priority? Yeah, it was a, it was a bit of both, to be honest. I think it was more... The main reason was a lot of my friends started losing interest, I think, in it. So the, the team became quite short. Um, we're struggling for a team. I think at our age group, it kind of just uh, stopped because we couldn't get enough people. But um, a lot of my friends lost interest. And at that age, you tend to just do what your friends do, don't you? So I, I kind of mellowed out of cricket and then just kind of put all my focus into football. That was about age 14, I want to say. I was about 14 at that point. I thought cricket, I mean, perfectly valid reasons. Personally, I played football and cricket as well. Rugby, I never really got into. Um, I've mentioned before on this that I'm, I'm five foot ten and ten stone, so I'm not really built that well for rugby. <laughs> not particularly quick either. Uh, cricket, I managed to keep going longer than football. I know you said you were playing it for about a year into your kidney disease. Mm-hmm. What was your role within the cricket team? And did you have to adapt in any way to keep it going? Um, so my main role was we had two teams running, uh, the A team and the B team, typically. Uh, I was in the B team, but I was more like the captain because, I don't know if it's the same for you, the cricket team tend to run over between two to three age groups Yeah, when you're younger. Yeah. Um, so I was like the top age group and I would tend to captain the younger, the younger players that were like, the best of their age group if you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so they kind of had someone to look up to had the experience so I tended to I was most likely the captain um uh (laughs) I was definitely more of a bowler bowler and fielder I was more towards the bottom of the uh, the bottom of the line when it came to batting I wasn't a great batsman um so I was more a bowler and a fielder when it came to fielding, I was more like deep towards the boundaries because I was good at that sweeping uh, and I had one of the longest throws. So that was mainly my role within the cricket team. Would you like to get back into it at any point? Or are you cricket or football? Um, or are you other sports? It's definitely crossed my mind, especially, especially football, because uh, I used to love football. Um, at the moment, my fitness is the worst it's ever been so I think I'd probably have to improve my fitness quite a bit before I got back into sport but never say never it's something I'm definitely wanting to try and get back into down the line absolutely just not sure when hopefully hopefully soon hopefully we don't go the wrong way again in terms of this pandemic but Mm -hmm. fingers crossed on the topic of cricket while we're here uh, I'd like to thank Neon Cricket who've kindly sponsored me for this year as a coaching ambassador if you'd like to get some cricket equipment or clothing or some sort of bag that you can take to the gym for yourself not just cricket equipment if you go to neoncricket.co.uk and use the code lewisd25 you can get yourself 25 percent off and i've been playing cricket for or playing men's cricket for eight years now and it's genuinely the best kit i've ever used so I highly recommend it so if you want to go and get that it's neoncricket.co.uk and Lewis D twenty five gets you twenty five percent off. We'll look about the football now. How regularly were we were you able to do that with your kidney disease? And similar to cricket, did you adapt in any way to keep going? So with my cricket uh, for football, sorry, <laughs> with my football, um, I was a goalkeeper per pre kidney disease, mm-hmm. but with my first team, I. Um, it was a similar to the cricket. A lot of people ended up moving to rugby at that stage. 
the team became quite short and I think it kind of just dropped off. So at that point, I joined another local team which were looking for players and a few of my friends played for them. So when I played for my first team, like I mentioned before, I was the goalkeeper. But when I moved to this other team, it was I wanted to try something new. So I ended up becoming um, the left winger because I was, I think at that age, it was mainly because I was left footed yeah. and I was quite quick. Um, so that's all, that's all you really need for a winger at that age. <laughs> um, so I gave um, that a go. Luckily for my uh, coaches there, thank God, they were fully understanding of my health as it became worse and worse. So I'd start off playing four games, but then to adapt to my health, I'd end up doing maybe half a game or because at that age, you can sub someone, sub them back on. You kind of had unlimited subs. I'd maybe do 20 minutes in the first half, come off then 20 minutes in the second half. So my coaches were quite open and um, disgusted with me with my health and how comfortable I felt playing. So they just always inform me and let me know like, if you want to play, just let us know how much you want to play, how much you feel comfortable playing. And it worked quite well. It was just up until I got to, like, it must have been a year a year or two before um, dialysis when I just felt so unfit and unhealthy, uh, mainly because of my health that I kind of gave up football at that point. I could feel it similar to you where, as I my condition got gradually worse, I would play less minutes in football I actually stopped it before cricket, only by about two or three months, but stopped it slightly earlier. And it, how important was it to have, like I had, understanding, uh, well, it was uni, uni football then, we didn't have a, a coach, understanding teammates, coaches, people around you? Uh, it was, honestly, I couldn't have asked her for anything better. I feel like I would have stopped football far sooner if they weren't as understanding. Um especially a couple of my best friends played for the team that I moved to uh, that I met in high school. So they were the most understanding. Um, one, I think how it kind of fell quite nicely is one of their, um, one of their dads was one of the coaches too. So I think that helped also. Um, it was very helpful to have the coaches understanding. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely easier, and I've like I said before, I would I would have given up football far sooner if it wasn't for the understanding of the team and the coaches. It's, it's so key to have people who understand your condition around you. I find it cricket again, my main sport. If the captain and coaches know know what you're going through, they can help to manage it well. I I've probably said this before as well, but just bowling shorter spells, less balls, fielding in the right position, so you don't not got to run as far can keep it keep yourself going and keep you included for as long as possible to feel like part of the team yeah absolutely you mentioned stopping before dialysis was there any way you were able to keep fit whether that be through sport or otherwise walking running any other activities that you could just to keep your fitness topped up on dialysis um at that point uh my my, my fitness was like way out way, uh, way out the room it's understandable yeah so I kind of just stopped the football, but the I kept like walking and everything just to try and keep my fitness at some sort of level. Um, as for running and everything, I tried running, but after I'd had like several surgeries and stuff, because I feel like once you've had surgeries and recovered from it, it's kind of hard to get your fitness back up. 
I really struggled with my fitness. Um, so I felt more comfortable just sticking to the minimal fitness that I could with it being mainly walking. And I did a bit of cycling. They were my two sources of fitness when I was on dialysis. I've noticed a lot of people through this saying that it's difficult to build your fitness back up after it's been after transplant, but as you said, after surgery. Am I right in thinking you had a kidney removed? Yes, I did. I had that at the same time that I had my dialysis tube, my peritoneal dialysis tube put in. So what actually happened with that is I went in for my for this procedure to have the nephrectomy and the um, dialysis catheter inserted. So it was kind of a two-in-one two operation. The original plan was to have it done, have uh, stay over one night, just make sure obviously my obs and my bloods were okay, then to go home and then to come back in over the next few weeks to have training for my peritoneal dialysis to be able to do it from home. However, once they took my one of my native kidneys out my kidney function dropped to about eight seven eight percent when yeah. it was about the 14 15 um so at that point uh they're like right they've got no choice but to keep you in until you're trained on uh peritoneal dialysis so they um, i was in hospital at that point for two and a half weeks uh trying to recover yet trying to um train for the dialysis because at first it was sudden, it was such a sudden change in my um, kidney function. They ended up having to do the dialysis. It started off twenty hours a day, down to eighteen, up until I got to ten hours a day. Then that's when I started the training for about a week, and then once I got home, it was eight hours every night uh, up until my transplant. So it was quite an intrusive and invasive uh, dialysis whilst recovering from. Um, like surgery and everything so i think that's where my fitness mainly took its hit and it, it was after my uh, after that operation plus trying to do dialysis where i really struggled with my fitness 20 hours is a lot a long a long time and having a, a kidney removed i didn't i didn't even think but i mean you are, you are gonna lose a lot of kidney function when you get down to that level of like eight percent which is about what i finished on it is very, very hard to do any sort of exercise. Even walking becomes difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think they expected that to happen because they just thought the kidneys were like null and void at that point. So I think that it took that there was a bit of a shock for them when they realised that my kidney function had halved. Even though you'd logically think that if you take half yeah. your kidneys away, half your function's going to go. But yeah, so that was it. It went a bit off plan, but. We got over it. It just kind of hit my fitness quite hard. Before we come on to your transplant story, I, I we've got a listener question that I thought we'd we discuss. It's an interesting one, slightly different to what we normally get. If you'd like to ask, get your question featured on the podcast, if you go and follow on social media, Facebook and Instagram are at Transplants Take On Sport Pod, and Twitter is at TTOS Pod. I'll put a post out the day before recording. You'll find out who's on the, the day before. You know what's coming up. And there'll be a little question box on Instagram. If you put your question in there, there's a chance for you to feature on the podcast. And this week we have a question from Martino, who says, what are the best and worst sports to play as a kidney transplant recipient? Now, I don't know about you. This is going to be a bit of a, this is a matter of opinion. And I'm going to take it based on best and worst in terms of safety. Because the best is just what you enjoy the most. The worst is what you enjoy the least. 
Yeah. What do you reckon? Well, there's like you said, there's a couple of ways of looking at this. First of all, there is the safety, like you mentioned. What's the safest in terms of contact, no con- non-contact? And firstly, for me, the first thing that came to my mind was looking at sports uh, on how like physically active you have to be. Like football, you're running around the pitch for 90 minutes, whereas something like maybe cricket, you don't, you're not doing as much running as often. A few more breaks. Yeah, exactly. There's breaks in between. Um, so it, yeah, it's kind of hard that question. It depends on the person themselves and how comfortable they feel. Um, I'd say, oh, trying to think of this. It's, it's a difficult one. I reckon safety. Safety, obviously, um, best in terms of safety, minimal contact, but it's whatever you enjoy or non-contact, whatever you enjoy the most. I, I would say for me, cricket, I enjoy it the most. Uh, and it's just, it, it's, un- I've never been hit in that area, touch wood. Um, and, but you never know. Running seems brilliant, non-contact, athletics, non-contact. Yeah. Um, cycling. Yeah. Uh, maybe even something like tennis if you've got the fitness going something like tennis although the tennis I don't think the tennis ball is likely to hit you in that area uh, badminton maybe yeah. is a better option than tennis so it just depends on your own preference there's to be honest. loads of sports you can play and choose to play have a look at the transplant games list there's loads on there that's all safe to play worst I'd, I'd again preference but I'd go out on a limb and say Probably some form of martial arts contact. <laughs> I didn't even consider that, but yeah, yeah, I think you're definitely right on that one. <laughs> if, you want, if you want safety, MMA is probably not the best way to go. <laughs> I'd even argue rugby, but again, I'm not built for it. So the doctor is probably the best person to ask. They can advise you, but if you do want to make yourself as safe as possible, uh, if you go to HeroKey.co. And use the code thanks Lewis zero five zero five two one. You can get twenty dollars off the Hero Key Kidney Shield and help protect yourself even more from whatever sport you're going to do. I've even started wearing it for batting recently, and it's just as my confidence has improved, I've been able to lower the the bulk the bulkiness of the uh, of the pad over my new kidney. Uh, started batting in that. I can run more. I can move more. So if that's something you're interested in, go over to HeroKey.co. And use the code thanks Lewis zero five zero five two one for twenty dollars off the Hero Key Kidney Shield, or click the link in the show notes, and that'll take you straight there and apply the discount automatically. Uh, thank you for sending the question. Uh, as I said, if you'd like to send in a question for future podcasts, make sure you follow in Transport's Take on Sport on social media. As I say in the intro, all the links will be in the show notes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let's go on to your kidney transplant then. You said you were on dialysis for a while. How long were you waiting for a kidney? For me, myself, uh, there was, first of all, once I started dialysis, uh, my family went through the testing to donate to me. Um, my mum ended up being the most likely match. Uh, so she was actually through the process of going through the tests. She wasn't far off finishing. She was only about six, maybe six months away. Um, but then I was put on the transplant list, uh, not long afterwards, just to try and give me other options. And then worst case scenario, my mom was free to donate down the line in case anything happened. So I was actually on the transplant list for only three months when I got my transplant. So I was actually very lucky. Um, so I was put on about the May time and then I went and got the call on the August. So... I wasn't waiting too long, but overall, I was on dialysis for just over two years before I had my transplant. Three months isn't long to wait on the transplant list. It's got to be one of the shortest I've seen in terms of kidneys. Considering your family were tested, was it a hard decision when the call came to take the one that had come in rather than waiting? Where did your mum pass the test or was she still going through it? She was still going through, but she was towards the end of it. Um, I think for me... It wasn't too hard of a choice because, first of all, the way I saw it is as soon as, the sooner I get a transplant, the sooner I can pursue my life and get on with things. Because on dialysis, I'll literally, I would get up at lunchtime, probably go on a short walk at some point in the day, and that was about as much as I left the house. So I had no life at all. And the way I also saw it is, worst case scenario, if I took this kidney and it didn't last my mum was always open to donate to me yeah. the next time round i should still be able to go through the test and i know that option would still be available whereas if i took my mum's kidney and it happened then i'd be kind of out of backups then so as soon as that call came through i think it was a no brainer to kind of accept that kidney and go forward with it it makes perfect sense to you now you said it um i think it's all about quality of life isn't it i think anyone would would jump at the chance to take the transplant and try and get their life back on track rather than sitting on dialysis waiting thinking my mum still got a, still got a few more to go and if anything if anything happened that meant she didn't get through the tests you I th- would you be thinking a lot about oh, what if I 
what if I accepted that call? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's another thing that crossed my mind is she yet still had a couple tests to go through. Uh, anything could have happened in those tests. She could have passed, but she could have failed. And like you said, if she failed and had missed on that opportunity, who knows when the next opportunity could have come. Absolutely. Did the transplant go smoothly, like, sort of straight after and in the, the, the days, weeks afterwards? Immediately, no, it didn't actually. Uh, it didn't actually kick in till about day two. So the first night, I actually had to have a me- emergency hemodialysis because the kidney hadn't uh, like quote unquote woken up yet so uh, my kidney function was still very low on the first night and obviously because I hadn't had my dialysis the night before uh, I was at a point where uh, I need some sort of kidney function to keep going at this point Yeah. so they had to um, this is all in the same day as having my transplant Wow. they had to put a emergency neckline in and on the evening I had a emergency hemo Luckily, uh, about lunchtime the next day, we started seeing more and more improvements in my kidney function at that point, to the point where they were like, okay, it's comfortable now, we can we can carry on the normal procedure. Um, so I was only in for the uh, six days, so that's typically about average, I think. So other than the first day, everything else went pretty smoothly. You got out fairly quickly, considering that it didn't wake up straight away. Your, your hospital stay was the half of what mine was. And every every time I speak to somebody else, I think my story is really boring and it's it's straightforward. But is it normal for the kidney not to kick in straight away? I think it depends on. I mean, I'm no um, expert here, so don't take this literally. But I think it kind of depends on what sort of transplant you have. Like, because mine was um, the what's it called? The cad cad. I can't say it. Cadaveric donor. Cadaveric. That's it. Um, it had to come. Uh across the country so we found i was coming from the other side of the country uh so i think based on how long it was out of a body because it was must have been about almost 24 hours by the time i had mine yeah um so i think the longer it had been out of a body out of a body the longer it would take to kick in is my thought process like i said i'm no professional so don't say that literally uh so i think that that's what i put it down to but I think it's a, a different experience for everybody. Absolutely. Here, so, some kick in as soon as it's put in and it starts, the catheter bag starts to fill up. Some people, I know of other people, other than yourself, who it's taken a few days or a few hours to to wake up, get going and start doing what it should be doing. In our position, I know the doctor said to me that six months recovery before you get back into sport. And again, from talking to other people, I know that varies. So I don't take that as gospel go on what your doctor says um but have that six month recovery for if yours was the same for both of us not long after that bang the pandemic hits and we're stuck into <laughs> lockdown and we can't we can't really use the transplant for a lot other than day-to-day life and from from reading things that you've put online i know it hasn't been a smooth ride for you since you transplant do you want to tell us a bit more about that yeah absolutely so um i got it was pretty smooth sailing, like I said, up until about three months in. And then after about three or four bloods, we could, we could see the kidney function dropping and dropping and dropping um, up until about the 30, 30%. So it was about 45, 50 at its best. So it got to about 30% and they're like, okay, let's try it. Let's do a biopsy. Let's see what's going on here. 
uh, that's when they found out the FSGS had started scarring the new kidney pretty much only three months afterwards. So um, at that point, they put a long-term neckline in, which I still have to this day. Um, they started plasma exchanges or plasmapheresis. Um, so basically, because it's an autoimmune disease, it lies within the antibodies in my bloodstream. So taking the plasma and the antibodies out and replacing it with artificial, logically, that's a source of treatment for FSGS, which I was having three times a week for the most part, uh, almost like a hemodialysis, but it was only about an hour each time, so it wasn't as intrusive. Um, for the most part, it was working to the point where I was on it monthly, but it started getting worse again. So it was kind of varying, um, but I've been on three times a week in the last, like at the start of the year, uh, and it doesn't seem to be improving at this point. So I'm at this point, at this moment in time, where I've been referred to the low clearance clinic again to prepare for dialysis. Um, and I think the plasma exchanges are due to finish very soon. So I'm due to see the dialysis team at the end of August and see where to go from there. But it's looking like the plan for dialysis isn't going to happen for quite a few months yet. So it's just preparations at this point. You've been through quite a lot over the last few years. And I think the mental side of this is important. How have you dealt with what you've had to go through over the last couple of years? Because you get the big high of the transplant. And then as that starts to to come back down again, and you're headed back towards where you don't want to go, how do you keep yourself going and pick yourself up? Uh, so I think my focus is as long as I've got something to focus on and there's something I can still do when I'm not very well, that's where my main like motivation comes from. So this kind of blends quite nicely into what I've been doing during lockdown particularly. Is So I've been starting um, live streaming on Twitch and making YouTube videos to try and raise more awareness towards kidney disease using those platforms. Um, and it's something I've really been enjoying. So I've been almost doing it for about a year now. Uh, I started it just at the end of summer in lockdown. Um, so it's something that I've that's kept my motivation going and it's something that I know I can continue when I'm on dialysis and everything. So knowing it's something I'm enjoying, uh, something that I can still pursue no matter what happens, it's keeping my motivation going. That's, so that's the main sort of motivation I'm getting. It's cl- clearly going well because what a link that was from one topic to another. You've saved me a job there. <laughs> Sorry, that was kind of a shameless <laughs> plug in a way. <laughs> Absolutely fine. It was what we were going to come on to next. I think a lot of people have become more creative over lockdown, trying to think of things to do just to be productive. And you've done it with YouTube, Twitch. How would you describe the content you're producing? Let's split it into Twitch and then YouTube. Yeah, that's the best way of doing it because it's two separate things, to be honest. So on my Twitch, it's more of a gaming platform. So typically I'll play games, speak and engage with the audience with it being live. Uh, So for people that don't know Twitch, it's a live streaming platform where people tend to live stream them playing games where they'll show their face speak to the audience play games typically people are interested in playing the uh, watching the people that are like top top game of their whatever they play which isn't my case but for some of the people some people just get the enjoyment out of the entertainment side of things so um 
it's a platform I can use to raise awareness for kidney disease. It's gaming, so it's something I've always been interested in. It's something I enjoy doing. Um, the main source of starting it was it was my main source of entertainment when the times I was off school a lot, the times I was in hospital after surgeries or not being well. Um, so Twitch was a very main part of my childhood growing up uh watching the top streamers using it as a source of entertainment because there's only so many times you can watch antiques roadshow and (laughs) (laughs) all of that and the morning mid-morning tv dickinson's Uh, catch under the hammer in the attic yes the point homes under the hammer all of that (laughs) it's only so many times you can watch those so um that's what's kind of pushed me because it was always something i thought i want to try do see how it gets on but I've always been quite a shy person but it has definitely brought a more um confident side out of me for sure uh so going back to twitch twitch is something I use to um a game on and engage with the audience uh discuss kidney disease for the people that ask um so my twitch for people that want to know it's twitch.tv forward slash blur statics so it's b-l-u-r-r-s-t-a-t-i-c-z uh i tend to stream on that mondays to fridays um but on the other side of things on youtube it's more there's definitely more kidney disease based and lifestyle based rather than the gaming side of things so i just go under my name kevin mclean um i started off by posting like informative videos about kidney disease first of all what it is my story with kidney disease like medication to take types of dialysis etc etc and i try to branch off from that point to the point now i'm um i'm started this series called transplant recipient tries where i'm trying uh several different sports or hobbies so my first one was trying football bearing in mind i hadn't kicked the ball for about five six years at that point (laughs) so that was an interesting one and i've since then i've done baking yoga and i did a i tried a branded versus non-branded um so it's trends yeah so youtube trends you know i have to try and fit into the algorithm at some point um (laughs) so i'm i might as well mention this now i've the next one it was supposed to be this friday um what we on today i've lost track of it uh it's it's friday today it's Friday, so yeah, it was, was meant to be this evening. Uh, however, it's just been too hot to record, so it's probably going to be next week. I am going to try and do a mini Olympics one to try and fit in with the Olympics starting nice. today of recording. Uh, it's starting today uh, as we record. So that's going to be the next one for next Friday. So feel free to keep an eye open for that one. And we'll link link your channels and your Twitch in the, in the uh, show notes. So depending on where you're listening, that might be above the podcast, below it. And these also go out on YouTube as well, um, indirectly. They just get uploaded there automatically. So if you want to watch on YouTube or you know anyone who doesn't have access to a podcast app, uh, take a listen on YouTube. Podcast app's probably better. You can listen to it on the go more easily. But yeah, you can listen on YouTube as well. I think we've, we're have we of an age where we've, as Rob Beckett would say, we're older than YouTube, but uh, we've, we've, grow, we've grown up on YouTube. It's only about what? 15 years old we've grown up watching it do you take inspiration from other people you've seen into sort of how you'd stream or how you set up your videos i think that's definitely a key part um the audience of 
most things tend to focus on key parts of especially how people engage with their audience and entertain so it's like i was saying on youtube with a branded versus non-branded there's certain trends you try and fit into or uh, take part in to try and get um like interest a certain audience like with that video in particular people don't have to have any relation to kidney disease or transplant to pick yeah. up on that video yet they might end up finding some extra information out about kidney disease and transplantation through my channel so there's certain ways that i'm trying to branch out to um engage different audiences and try and get them involved in the awareness of kidney disease I think it's helped as you've branched out, as your confidence has grown at the same time that you've been able to go from talking about sort of what you know, what you've been through, to moving more into a sort of, I mean, they're, they're all going to be entertaining, but moving more from informative to sort of straight entertainment. Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, if you looked back at my first YouTube video I put out, that was only at the start of this year, I think. Um, no more than six months ago. Um, you can tell the confidence gain from that first video to my most recent one. Um, luckily for me, I picked it up quite quickly and I've still got a long way to go yet with that. But um, it's trying to get used to the aspects of speaking to a camera rather than a person and trying to speak to like entertain people that aren't there as you're recording and they're going to find out later down the line. Um, so it's a very unusual, un, like something you don't typically experience in typical human engagement but it's one of those things at the same time that the more you do it the more you get used to it so it's just trying to overcome that barrier at first and try and build your confidence as you go along absolutely it is strange i've been on on stage through magic and entertainment but moving into sort of youtube in a way now filming something which I'm, actually, I'll, I'll plug it why not um <laughs> filming with the World Transplant Games Federation for their new online series, Transplant Hub Conversations, which is is very similar to the vibe of this podcast. It's a very similar topics. It's inspiring stories from people around the world who've come through an illness to have a transplant or not a transplant, maybe some live donors on the way. Um, I hope I can say that. Um, it's Yeah, inspiring stories, people who've had, had transplants and they're now making a difference with the sport they're playing, enjoying their life. So if you want to see that, it's over on the World Transplant Games Federation YouTube channel. Uh, if you follow them and me uh, on social media, you'll find out when more of those are out. So going back back onto the um, on YouTube and, and Twitch, Twitch specifically, you're actually doing a fundraiser soon to celebrate your two-year kidney transplant anniversary. That's correct, yes. Do you want to tell us a bit more about that and how you think you might look with a skinhead <laughs> uh so basically i started the fundraise for it a few months ago just mainly the reason for that was to try and make sure it was all prepared and working before i actually went forward with the um the um the live stream so basically on my two-year kidney anniversary on the 20th of august this year I'm doing a twelve hour twelve hour live stream on Twitch on my YouTube uh, my Twitch channel. Sorry, Blur Statics, as I mentioned before. Um, it'll be twelve noon um, BST till midnight. Uh, so basically, I'm going to be doing my typical streaming where I play different games, maybe bring in a couple other streamers to play along with me, and I've got a a list of forfeits for certain um, targets and milestones we hit, which at this moment. 
surprisingly. I did not expect it at all. We've already kind of crushed all the forfeits before I've even done any of the stream. You're going to be having fun. So, yep. So we've got things on there um, such as eating bugs, which it's probably something that's probably not a sensible idea, but it's only going to be a pinch and it's for a good cause. So it's not going to do me harm. What does the doctor um, think? <laughs> sorry? What does the doctor think? Uh, as long as I'm taking, a, 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 like, I'm not going to be, like, eating <laughs> mountains of them, then I should be fine. It's literally just going to be a pinch of them. Um, so, yeah, we've got something like bugs to, um, like, a random costume I'm going to have to wear on stream uh, to getting my makeup done, little silly things like this. And towards the end, there's going to be my, like, getting my wax, uh, my, 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 my wax wax. <laughs> My my legs waxed. Sorry, um, to getting my hair dyed blue uh, or sprayed blue because of the uh, penultimate, well, the ultimate one at the end, as Lewis mentioned before, is getting my head shaved, which we've already hit that target now. So we're over the one thousand pound mark at the moment. So just want to say, everyone who has donated to this point, thank you, thank you so much. It's honestly, it's going to a great cause. And hopefully we can pursue this in the future once again. How can people donate? I'm sure I'll put the link in the, the show notes again. And um, are you going to set more targets forfeits? Or are you going to stick at, stick at the shaved head? <laughs> so first of all, I've got a Virgin Money Giving page open, which I'm sure Lewis will leave in the notes of the podcast. Yep. Um, uh, so as you get on there, there should be a donate button. You can choose whatever amount you want minimum being a pound but anything anything means anything um so you can donate you can leave a message with your name on there or you can stay anonymous it's entirely up to you um the whatever money is being raised is going to be split 50 50 between kidney care uk and kidney research uk um as for the forfeits, I think it has definitely crossed my mind that I am going to have to prepare some more forfeits <laughs> or something to encourage people to reach um, a higher um, like total as I feel like at this point, no one has any reason to donate. So I'm definitely, before the, before the stream, I'm 100% going to be planning some more forfeits and make sure people are encouraged to donate. Well, good luck with the stream. And if you do think of some more forfeits, do, but I suppose I do want you to do them because it'll raise more money for the charities. Uh, but let's see what you can come up with. Uh, good luck with the stream. Good luck with the YouTube and, and Twitch going forward. What are your goals for it going forward? So at this point in time, um, I just want to try and... My main focus is see if I can try and encourage people that may not know much about kidney disease to be a bit more informed about it as everyone experiencing it. We all know it's a hidden, it's a, it's a hidden illness. So to any typical person, we might look a very healthy person, um, but there's a lot of behind the scenes that goes on. People will not notice that you're ill unless they spend maybe an evening with you or a night with you. So it's just to try and get that understanding into the world that although it's a head and illness, it is quite a serious, well, I say quite, it's a very serious thing um, and it can make people very ill. So my main focus is to try and just encourage people to learn a bit more about kidney disease and what actually goes into it. And if you want to learn more or check out Kieran on uh, YouTube and Twitch, all the links will be in the show notes. So go and have a look at that. Uh, Kieran, one more question before we go. It's the one I ask everyone. 
what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone facing a transplant? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, so, first of all, whether it's a planned transplant or so, um, one that's a call like a, over the transplant list, first of all, the first thought is don't be afraid. Yes, it is a, a, a surgery at the end of the day, but it's only initially for typically for a person it's about a week you're in hospital uh and from that moment and forward as soon as you've had your transplant you immediately feel better so it's just the first the first week is the hardest point from that point onwards it gets easier and easier and in the long run it's a hundred percent worth it your life won't, you'll never you won't have felt you won't you won't remember the last time you felt that well so although it's a um a, maybe it is a scary process just think about afterwards it's going to be worth it so don't get too worked up about it and you'll have the people around you to support you along the way there we go it's the operation transplant it's always for the best and it is going to benefit you going forward kieran thank you for coming on the podcast what a pleasure to have you on uh as i said before go and check out kieran his links will be in the show notes go and follow him on youtube twitch have a look at his videos give him a subscribe a like follow on twitch is that right yes yeah yeah follow and uh, if you join the podcast, please make sure you subscribe, follow. I'm sure I've said that in the intro as well. And why not tell your friends about it? Tell your family. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, that is the most used app to listen to the podcast. It would mean a huge amount to me if you could rate it five stars on the show page, uh, as that really does help more people discover it on iTunes. Uh, and if you're feeling really helpful, um, if you leave a five star rating, if you left a five, if you left a review with that as well a five-star review. Uh, I will read out all five-star reviews at the end of the podcast in this section here. And again, if you'd like to see more from me, if you go and check out the World Transplant Games Federation YouTube channel, you can see me presenting Transplant Hub Conversations, which will see more, more chats, more stories like this, which I hope you enjoy. So go over there and subscribe to them as well. Thank you very much for listening. Please stay safe and well. Look after yourselves. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Lewis Daniels, and you've been listening to Transplant's Take on Sport. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 